Tabletop Tim here, reminding you that maybe if you need to break into haberdasheries to cope with your problems, you'd be better off talking to someone. Maybe someone who's been in a tough spot before. Naming no names, Dean Daniel, Hedwig, Carlo, a socialist hobgoblin. If any of you are thinking about breaking into anyone's haberdashery, don't. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... A game where kaiju are rampaging through the streets. Alas, they are but three foot tall. Your mission, try to stop people hugging the doom monsters. Apologies in advance if both are weird. We both have colds. Yeah, I I have been on holiday. I I do not have COVID, but I have some sort of disease from traveling on the London Underground. I also don't have COVID, but my body is just imploding. Right. Well, yes, so, tiny kaiju. Yeah. Um. I feel like the general full of. The general goal of all GMing is to stop people hugging the Doom Monsters. Or bagging the Doom Monsters. I was going to say, hugging is, is a prelude in a lot of cases, I think. Everyone stops seducing the Doom Monsters. So I feel like, basically, it's just continuing on that, you know? Remove the bard, and you're probably done. Well, I, I like the thing of, because they're so small, it would probably be harder to actually track them down. Mm. Like, imagine doing this in, in, say, a Monster of the Week or a World of Darkness type game, where you just yeah. like, well, something keeps cutting out the internet, and then you go, and it's just a tiny Godzilla using his tiny radiation breath to cut through the wires. I like just Godzilla, but he's a dickhead. Like, he's not causing massive destruction, he's just showing up, destroying the internet, and, like, stealing your eggs. It's the destruction he's capable of. Maybe it's not Godzilla. Maybe it's Manila, and he's just—he's just starting out with some low-level mischief. I know. I love the idea of like you know a full like five hundred foot kaiju showing up to do low-level mischief. <laughs> it shoots your house a radiation beam, and the only thing it does is destroy all of your spoons. It's radiation, but it is about as strong as a microwave. So the popcorn mm. in your cupboard just explodes. Godzilla microwaves you all. <laughs> I think the other alternative is, of course, that they're three foot tall, but they still have all of the destructive capacities of a normal kaiju. Like, just this little moth thing waddles up to a building, lightly pushes it, and then it explodes. I feel like the natural balance of these two is it just walking down the street, but going through every wall. Yeah. yeah. Like, just this little three-foot monster that wants to go from one side of the city to the other and doesn't care about what's in the way. I mean, that's basically the the motivation of Godzilla in the the really bad American Godzilla film. Yeah, which, as we all know, is the best Godzilla film. It's certainly I, the only... I, I have feelings about this. But... It's certainly the only one I've watched. Um... Seriously? Yeah. Wow. 
I had a very deprived childhood where I only sat in a room with a single copy of the American Godzilla movie. Anyway, moving on from my tragic backstory. Yeah, I'm just trying to work out how the dates line up. Um, I, I was never born and will never die. Um, so, Kaiju. Like, I think more Kaiju should be resolved by hugs. In which Just... case, I have exactly the Godzilla film for you. Um, there's one that's basically about Godzilla's son and a little boy. Oh, is that Godzuki? No, is that a different thing. It's all monsters attack. Fuck, I, I am, I am a fake, I'm a fake Godzilla fan. I thought you would not be a Godzilla fan. Um. Yeah, but the problem is I was raised alone in a room with nothing but a copy of the 1998 Godzilla movie. Um, yeah, so God, so yeah, you've got big Godzillas with minor mischief. You've got little Godzillas with major mischief. Which means the next the logical step. Is, what abilities does three foot tall Mothra have? Laps. Because Mothra's like the one that's trying to not have everyone die all the time. It just shows up and, like, you know, makes you dinner breakfast in bed, tidies your house, does your laundry. Like, it's just a tiny little helpful kaiju. You say tiny, it's still a three-foot moth. I mean, that's big for a moth, but it's more for a kaiju. Like, size is relative. I I guess so. That's why in my next D&D setting, everything's three-foot. Except they're three fantasy feet. E. Which are all like a meter. This is my hobbit who has three fantasy feet. But, I mean, there is also... Because kaiju generally... Like, their thing is they represent, like, human hubris and mm. the, the terrible things that happen when when we try and do science and things like that. So are these the results of, like, smaller scientific mucking about? Like, it's a scientist who's doing something fairly minor, but is just incidentally a massively arrogant, hubristic asshole. Okay, so, see, what I was thinking was, like, you know, Godzilla comes from nuclear weapons, maybe you get a three-foot sheep from doing Dolly the Sheep. But you're suggesting that it's from doing very minor science but being a prick while doing it yeah like you just sit there very smugly like haha i've taught children the periodic table and then mothra climbs out of your school desk and starts punching you i mean i've definitely had teachers like that what's that child you don't you can't give the entire electromagnetic frequency off the top of your head detention and then Godzilla picks you up and throws you from the classroom and all the children cheer. I'm not bitter over school. Um, Everyone claps. And all the kaiju clap. (laughs) I just imagine like a setting where it's a city that's under attack by kaiju but just like Mm -hmm. incidentally to the plot. Like the main plot is still like you know you're trying to capture this um, notorious jewel thief or something. But just also, incidentally, Godzilla is rampaging through the city. 
sometimes like you'll steal something and then you'll look up and he'll just give you a thumbs up. Godzilla hates capitalism, probably. I'm I mean that's that's the vibe I get. Um there is also something to point out, I think, which is that the etymology of kaiju is just like strange monsters, strange creature. So theoretically, if anything is weird and three foot tall, it could be considered a three foot kaiju. Anything that is weird is a kaiju. Discuss. I mean, I'm just thinking like I, I have worked with small children. I've known many weird things that were three foot tall. Hmm. All children are kaijus. And they can be a hell of a destructive force when they want yeah. to. The big bad of your campaign is like every child in the city stood on each other's shoulders like some kind of child Voltron rampaging through the city. But do they have an enormous trench coat? Yes. Uh, it's an enormous like trench coat shaped to look like um, a bad Godzilla costume. No, it's an enormous trench coat and a Godzilla head. Amazing. Like a, plast a plastic Godzilla head. So if anyone wasn't sure what to be for Halloween, there you go. All you need is another several thousand children. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, think, I think we've had a good Godzilla. Like, other kaiju were available. Yeah, but like you know, I I was and so I was doesn't watch as many B movies as I do. What <laughs> as I said, I've watched exactly one work of like as I was raised in just a box with a copy of the D and D uh, Dungeon Master's Guide and a copy of Godzilla uh, nineteen ninety eight and nothing else. Uh, that is my entire like exposure to to media. I mean, really, it's just surprising you don't run more, like, Matthew Broderick-themed campaigns. Oh, Matthew, oh, every every NPC in every campaign I do is Matthew Broderick. I just didn't think it was worth bringing it up. Oh, okay, that's fair. Well, yeah, that's, that's a fact. Every time I talk about a person, I am actually talking about Matthew Broderick. There's a fun, probably bad RPG idea fact. Definitely. Um... It certainly recontextualizes several game sessions with you. You're welcome. <laughs> Hi, I'm Hazel and I present the Bread and Thread podcast with Liz, also known as Paper from Probably Bad. Um, Bread and Thread is a podcast about food history and domestic history and generally social history. We delve into a lot of different things. So if you'd like to know which country has laws against importing sheep, what cookbook will tell you how to make a great martini and also how to survive a nuclear bomb attack, uh, or why you are using a fork right now, then come over to Bread and Thread and give us a listen. You can find us on Spotify or Wherever else podcasts are, I don't know. So our first question. Um, I think this is because last week we were talking about ghost pranks. Um, what pranks would other undead do? 
what a vampire does is it invites you round to your round to it. You go to sleep. It like puts fake vampire fangs in your mouth and puts like red eye contacts in, and then it tries to trick you into thinking it turned you into a vampire uh, while you were sleeping and seeing how long um, it can keep it up. And it just like tries to bullshit things. You're like, but I'm holding garlic, and it's like, oh yeah, uh, you probably ate enough of it in life that you were like, you know, developed an immunity. Um, yeah, I can go out in the sun. Yeah, that doesn't kick in until like a few hours. I go back inside quickly, probably. Just sees how long it can keep it going before you realize that you're not a vampire. So can you just say that again? Because you turned away from the microphone again. <laughs> Uh, just keeps it going um, and sees how long it can, sees how long it takes for you to figure out you're not really a vampire, and then it does this like three more times, and then on the fourth time it actually does turn you into a vampire, and then it's like seeing how long it takes you to go from yeah you've played this one on me before to realizing that no you are now a vampire. See, I like this because it it seems like it wouldn't be taking advantage of any of a vampire's abilities. But the stealth stat you would need to put contacts in on someone else without waking them up would be so high that only a vampire could do it. Yeah, that's one of vampire's little-known powers. I like the idea of a vampire making you think that there's a ghost. Mm. Oh, you would need to be somewhere like a Hall of Mirrors or possibly the Palace of Versailles for this to actually work. But I think you could do it, and it could yeah. be quite fun for the vampire to run around watching you trying to con to deal with a completely different problem. Like, you're putting down salt circles, and the vampire's just like, hmm, tastes vaguely like blood. I thought you vampires compare everything based on how much it tastes to blood. But yeah. It's like humans saying things taste like chicken. It's it's what they've got a frame of reference True. for. Yeah, vam yeah, vampires just run around the Hall of Mirrors being a ghost. I think the liches prank you by just making random things you own into their phylactery. <laughs> like, you're just like, have you seen the remote? And they're like, haha, the remote, you mean my soul? And then you destroy the remote and kill the lich. It's a bit of a, bit of a prank that can very easily backfire. Yeah, I feel like the lich didn't really think that one through. The lich, the lich plays a prank by making you into their phylactery. Now I know that's an idea you've posted before. It is. I think the idea I posted was like making your child into a phylactery, which is, under the rules of D&D, &D, strictly possible. Wait, does it not say it has to be an object? Uh, no, all it says is it has to be something that the lich created personally, uh, which very arguably a child is. I guess it's whether the lich has allowed assistance in creating, because most species aren't parthenogenic. Oh, as long as, like, they're making... So as long as they're making, like... They're allowed assistance as long as it's still clearly them making it. Okay, if so if the lich sense. is the one that carries the child... Yeah, I feel the lich would have to be carrying the child. But in that context, yeah, you can make... Yeah, it has to be over a certain, like, gold piece value, and it has to be at least primarily made by the Lich. Well, as we know, babies are priceless. Yeah. So yeah. that's fine. Um, it, is it, is one, 
it is one of my favourites technically possible if you really fuck with the rules, um, ideas. That is a wild one. Yeah, um, yeah, there is no time limit on a lich making a phylactery, which I believe is presumably so that, like, a lich could have a monument or a statue or something of its phylactery, but it does mean you could have a baby. It's good to know. They said definitely not making notes for future campaigns. Yeah, so a lich... The other thing a lich does as a prank is it go, is it like hides its phylactery like, you know, in the sofa or something and then it goes up uh, and sits next to you and dies uh, and you're like, oh no, the lich is dead and then they just climb back out of the sofa because that's where their phylactery is and it scares you. Like, like naked daddy DeVito crawling out of the sofa in all. Yeah, exactly. I bet you didn't know Diane DeVito was a lich. Um... <laughs> oh no! Phylactery is Daddy DeVito. Um... Zombies just... Zombies aren't very good at pranks. Like, a zombie will show up and will just pick up a thing and throw something at you, and then it will go prank, and then it will leave. Yeah, zombies um, like to do go at your nose on each other, but you know they don't have them. It gets it gets kind of gross. Uh, zombies try and do got their got your nose on you, um, which is even more gross and frankly very unpleasant. Mm. Skeletons just make incessant boning puns. It's not really a prank, but they're not very smart. Dracoliches prank you by destroying your village. Yeah. But yeah, I guess a lot of them there do the fun and wacky prank of burning down your house and destroying your town. Skeletons have one prank, which is admittedly very situational, which is if you're about to play a xylophone, the skeleton rushes in and replaces the xylophone with its own ribcage before you start playing. See, that is a good prank, because despite what cartoons have led you to believe, ribs tend to be about the same size, so you're probably not going to get all of the different tones that you want out of a rib. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's very situational, but it is a reasonably good prank, especially if beforehand a lich has made your xylophone into its phylactery. <laughs> so then when you smash it out of frustration, the lich dies? Yeah, you smash it out of frustration. No, the lich has made the xylophone into your phylactery without you noticing. So when you smash okay. out of frustration, you die. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I'm, I'm glad it's that way around, because I was starting to worry that liches just really enjoy the experience of dying and coming back. I mean, you know, that would explain a lot about liches. Ghouls play pranks I mean... by eating your arms while you sleep. Just get the munchies. Yeah. So the thing is, undead are actually like undead are pretty good at pranks. The main, except for zombies and skeletons, but you know they they they're not very you know skeletons are just did. less squishy people. Yeah. Uh, most undead are very good at pranks. The main issue they have is that they do have problems, like you know. What's the word? Not going too far and killing you. Yeah, I feel like once you've died yourself, the yeah. the 
general concept of it probably loses a lot of its. Yeah, because the thing is, like, like with a, with a normal it kind of vanishes. Yeah, if you're a normal person and you kill someone, that's bad. If you're an undead and you kill someone, you just got a new friend. As the real reason the undead want to murder everyone is because they want everyone to be their friends. What if ghosts want to kill people so they can help us achieve our final form? Yeah, like, the undead are just like, oh no, you've got meat all over you. Here, let me help you with that. And then we scream and then they look sad. <laughs> oh no, you got yourself trapped in a physical material existence. Don't worry, I have a knife. Death is just sudden painful evolution. Sudden Painful Evolution sounds like a rock band that was started by the undead. <laughs> They're playing the skeleton as their main instrument. I mean, I bet if you strung a pelvis, you could get some good sounds off it. And other unusual ways to deal with zombie attacks in your games. <laughs> Yeah, so the other question that we have. In the Flintstones, they use prehistoric creatures to replicate modern machines. What would the D&D equivalent be? Fire elemental oven. I feel like that's an easy answer. It is, but it's the only one I'm going to give. Podcast <laughs> over, have fun. Um, you, could use, you could use a mimic. But rather than using it shape-shifting, you just use it as glue, because it's got that adhesive thing. Like, you just have a little pot full of Mimic, and you take it out, and you smear it on things. You could, ha you could have the Mimic take the form of a little jar, and then you can just sort of wipe it on things. Hmm. You could use an elf as, like, a security camera. They've got good eyes. I feel like using, okay, I was going to say I feel like using sentient creatures is kind of dodgy, but the rods in the Flintstones appeared to be, like, self-aware. Yeah, no, no, like, every, yeah, everything, in, everything in the Flintstones verse is just a person that we have stuck into some kind of contraption. That That's kind of horrifying when you think about it. Yeah. Like, all, all those, all those creatures are. Dino, is Dino sentient? Is it better at hiding it? Possibly, Dino is spending the entire like show plotting for the chance to get revenge on the Flintstones. Like on the final episode of the Flintstones, um, Dino talks for the first time, and he's like, "I know where you sleep," and then he kills them all in their sleep, and there's hyper realistic blood, um. Probably predict some terrible future or something. So I was just thinking that Dino and Fred have a very elaborate kink scene going on. I, f I feel like this indicates a very different, a major difference between our two worldviews. <laughs> but anyway, you can use giants as like building material. Uh, they just 
they just stand there and form columns because they they got their arms in the air. You could definitely like if you attached a blink dog to a cart, could you get just instantaneous cars? Like everyone just rides blink dogs to work. Except sometimes your blink dog, like you've got to keep you've got to keep like blinders on it, like a horse. Hmm. If it spots something right before you you go to work, it's you don't know where you're going to end up. Actually, that that might be a one shot I'll have to run at some point. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I guess you can use any monster as building material if you try hard enough. So, some dragons are good. So you could get a good one with Ice Breath. I can't remember offhand which one that would be. Believe Silver? Yeah, so you, you get a silver dragon and you make friends with it. And then you open up the first, like, frozen food warehouse. Or... Just become get... Captain Birdseye with your dragon friend. Or you get a white dragon. And set up the first evil food warehouse. Um, I'm going to need you to elaborate on this. It's like a normal food warehouse, except um, every so often a dragon attacks you while you try and get out the frozen pizzas. Like, yeah, it's just, I've got all of this food for you. It is inside a dragon's mouth, and a dragon will kill you if you try and get it. So how fastly, how fast are you, mate? And you can like hang the packets on the teeth, make it into yeah. a fun like fairground game. Yeah, so like you've got operation. The... So you've got a choice between the silver, um, silver dragon, uh, frozen food warehouse, which you know is if you're boring and you just want to pick up food, and the white dragon fast food, uh, frozen food warehouse, which is if you're fun and you want to like fight a dragon while you're getting your groceries. Like, I know there are neutral dragons, the gem dragons. I don't know if there's an ice one of those. Yeah, I feel like the good dragons are like, yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you preserve your food. It'll be a great time. The evil ones try and eat you while you're trying to retrieve it. The neutral ones are just kind of like they're like the shop assistants in Iceland. Yeah. They just kind of like, oh, did you find everything? Okay, see you later. I like, I like that neutral dragons are just sad. They're not <laughs> morally. They're not morally neutral. They're just too sad to take a side. No, I'm, I'm afraid that's just that's just my voice when I'm not trying. <laughs> well, you're learning more and more lore about the probably bad hosts. I like the idea of them getting going full on like a shop assistant though and they just yeah. get really into loyalty cards. You, I, I like that just in general with dragons. You burst into a dragon's lair and it's just like, hi, would you like to sign a um, regular adventurer card? You slay nine of my minions, the tenth one's free. Which I guess means they won't fight back? But if you slay nine of my minions, you get a tenth uh, you get a temp um, blast of ice magic free. 
which does imply normally you're paying for the dragon to attack you, and I guess we're back to really weird kink relationships. You pay for the dragon to attack you in that it it does hurt you. You you pay in a physical way rather than financial. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like the fire dragons could also run a food warehouse, but it wouldn't be as good. They could run a takeaway. They could. Like, you, you've probably seen all the Burger King adverts where they're like, yes, the one good thing about us is we use actual fire to cook our meat. Yeah. Let's get a dragon doing it. The one good thing about Burger King is we do have a dragon. The dragon has devoured the Burger King. <laughs> now welcome to Burger Drakes. I am the new... I like the idea, but... Okay, so new one-shot idea. You're trying to protect the Burger King. You know, the head of Burger King, that's what that's what he's called. From um, the dragon that he brought in to cook all of the burgers. <laughs> See, I'm now wondering, though, if dragon fire would give a different flavour to the meat, and if that would be a good thing. Like, I feel... descriptions that say stuff like brimstone, hmm. which is basically the same smell as rotten eggs, and I don't think yeah. I want that in my meat. Yeah, I feel like generally it's meant to smell of, like, sulphur or brimstone, so I can't imagine it would be good for the meat, and also it will try and eat the Burger King. But it won't try and eat the burgers. No, they're too small. Yeah, and they smell of brimstone. For a dragon, hmm. they're like kibble. I like the idea of you going, um, going into a dragon's lair with a bowl, just filling it with burgers, and then just putting it down and dragon eats it like kibble. And <laughs> it might work. You don't know until you try. Hmm. That's all dragons really want. Although it's not good enrichment for a dragon. Hmm. Really, yeah, you I... want to simulate live feeding. That's why I've tied all of the all of the burgers to hobbits. <laughs> I've to run around the cave. <laughs> this is another use for a fantasy creature as dragon food. Yeah. I feel like you could use a fiend for just any kind of government or corporate like bureaucracy. Satire. This is Asmodeus, and he's running the DWP now. Nothing has changed. They would be quite good at that, actually, because they do love a contract. Yeah. Again, we're going back to like good, neutral, evil bureaucrats. Yeah. Um. On that note, I think it's maybe time to end the episode. Before we get into any political discussion. Yeah. Um, next episode is... Not next episode, the episode after is our Halloween special. Um, so for reasons, we need you to send us audio recordings of you saying the word chess. This is not a bit. Send us audio recordings of you saying chess to probablybadpodcast.gmail.com um, you can also send questions there or to Proudly Bad RPG Ideas on Tumblr if, you know, 
you you want us to talk more about dragon fast food um what else yes if, if you, you want if you'd like Sorry. to sign a contract with us we do have a patreon we do um at the one dollar level you get access to a discord server where we play one shots and talk about rpg things at five dollars you get bonus episodes at 10 you get homebrew and at 20 you get rpgs that pencil and our producer nick make i believe so far there's been one about a about a duck army and one about meerkats exploring i don't know what the next one's going to be i'm very excited to find yeah, out meerkats exploring the post-apocalypse Sorry about that. Oh yeah, the way way to get onto that Patreon is patreon.com slash probably bad RPG ideas. But yes, send send us recordings of yourself playing chess. Um, Send us recordings of yourself saying chess. And And remember remember to have a probably probably bad bad day. day.